everybody, welcome to Listen Money Matters. If you can dazzle them with brilliance, baffle them with bullshit. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? <laughs> Dude, good. Good. I'm good because uh, I'm having a stout, but it's, it's a white stout. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know this was a thing. It's, it's basically a-, a beer brewed with coffee and chocolate. Oh. To make it taste like a stout. Oh, so it's not really a stout. It's like no. a... It's called Fat Orange Cat, uh-huh. and then oh, on the other side, that. it says all cats are gray in the dark, and it really made me think for a second. And I was like, I think they're right. Did you drink any of the beers that I brought to you? Um, I I did not yet. They're oh gonna, man, you know they're for future episodes. Don't don't one, wait too long. You had given me one already, but I'll yeah. have it again. Don't wait too long. They're they're, they're they're supposed to be enjoyed fresh. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I am drinking Melcher Street. Uh, double dry hopped IPA from Trillium out in uh, Massachusetts. Mm. I had a friend. Uh, it was my birthday recently, and I had a friend who uh, flew in with them as a gift, and so I am drinking them. Ah, yes, very nice. Thank you. Um, okay, moving on. Our catchphrase today comes from Clinton via email, and we need some more catchphrases out there. So people send in your catchphrases either. To our Twitter account at Money Matters Man, or you can email them, listen money matters at gmail.com. Thank you very much, Clinton, for that wonderful catchphrase. And today we have a guest on our show to talk about investing in agriculture. His name is Chris Raleigh, and he is the founder of Harvest Returns. Chris, how are you and what are you drinking? Hey Matt, Andrew, I am doing very well. Glad to be on. And I am drinking a Dallas Blonde. It's uh like a 5.1 ABV, and it's nice, and it's mm. uh, produced at mm. Deep Ellum Brewery in Dallas. I like yeah. Deep Ellum. It's one of my favorite parts of uh, Dallas. It's a funky place. It used Where to be kind of scary is. when I grew up, but now it's nice. I heard, yeah. Um, I want to know, what is, just in general, what is agriculture? So that's a big question. A- agriculture yeah. is the one industry on earth that touches everybody we're we're drinking it right now um okay yeah oh yeah ate it for lunch or breakfast uh you're probably you're probably wearing some of the products you're wearing cotton or mm. silk it's in your houses you're sitting at a chair or a table with wood agriculture yeah. is it touches everybody on on earth um but not too many people will really invest in it everybody takes it for granted and the reason me people don't invest in it is because they don't understand it and because it's a hard investment to ask, access. And that's why we started our company to give more people an opportunity to invest in agriculture. But is it has it been difficult to I mean, I wouldn't know where to go to invest in a in a cotton. Besides like the obviously if it's if it's traded on the, you know, whatever the me- commodity the, yeah, markets or something. Right. But otherwise, like I wouldn't or like um invest in <laughs> A farm down the street like i'd have to go talk to the farmer and be like can i just give you money and then hopefully you give it back to me i mean isn't that how it would <laughs> traditionally work yeah i mean traditionally the way it works is most of the farmers in the u.s are, are family farmers and uh, many of them have been farmers for generations and generations and that same piece of land has sat in their family for generations mm-hmm. or those farmers have retired and now they rent their land to other people they own the land they rent it to other people so 
it has been a challenging um, investment to access because there, there's some farmland REITs out there. They're like publicly traded stocks you can invest in. Generally, hmm. tend to invest in row crops and things like that. And there's some higher end sort of private equity funds and a lot of institutional investors like like pension funds and like Harvard endowment, the big university endowments. They will invest in natural resources as part of their portfolio. A lot of like uh-huh. know, Warren Buffett owns farms. Ted Turner owns, he's one of the biggest landowners in the country, owns a lot of bison ranches and things like that. But average American doesn't have a lot of opportunities to go out and buy a part of a farm. And and what we're talking about as far as agriculture and investing in agriculture is not investing in commodities trade like like cotton, right? We're talking about investing in actual farms, like people who own farms. Yeah, exactly. So we, you know, commodities... Okay. Farmers will use commodities as a hedging mechanism to guard against price falls and spikes and things like that, just like any other commodity. But yeah, as an investment, mm-hmm. you you got to be careful with you know that's basically speculation. Yeah, I, we're talking about investing in farms themselves. Yeah, I, I have to. The only um, reference that I have to investing in commodities is the movie Trading Places. If you've ever seen it, where they invest in uh, or they try to, they're selling uh, frozen concentrated orange juice, <laughs> which I don't think is an actual commodity. I think it's just made up for the movie. But they do pork belly and and wheat and stuff like that. Yeah, no, orange, not orange juice futures is a thing. It's one of the few things. No, uh, yeah, um, but those those commodities are generally for high volume sorts of products, right. like yeah, like pork bellies or wheat, corn, soy, those things. Mm-hmm. And in that case, you're basically betting that the value of like just orange juice would go up versus like investing in a farm that will produce over time. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you said, well, you mentioned REITs. Uh, I know, I, 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 I kind of know what a REIT is, but could you explain what uh, a REIT is as far as agriculture is concerned? Sure. There's a couple of them. So a REIT is a real estate investment trust. And don't quote me on this, but they're they're required by regulations to push out uh, a certain percentage of their profits as dividends. I think it's about 90%. Yeah, I think that's right. 90% as dividends. So it's, you know, it's a stock like any other. They've got a ticker. You can go out and buy um, mm-hmm. a farmland REIT. I'm not going to name them because they're sort of our competitors, but you can, ah. you can uh, go out there and buy them and sit on uh, those stocks and take your dividends. The problem, one of the problems I see with the farmland REITs is they tend to be correlated with the stock market. So if the stock market takes a big yeah. dump, uh, your REIT is probably going to follow it to a certain extent. Uh, what we do are our private placements that are really uncorrelated with stock markets and bond markets and even the economy. And these REITs, are they just like the massive mega corps of farms? So it's like... You know, Tyson. not like Joe's Chicken. It's it's like Purdue, right? Is that yeah, what you're Yeah, I mean, those REITs will REITs? go out and they, you know they'll do an IPO and they'll raise millions or hundreds of millions of dollars and they'll go okay. out and buy big farms. You know, ten million dollars, twenty million dollars a pop. What are the benefits of um, of investing in say a singular farm? Like, what, what's the what's the what's the why would I want to do that with agriculture in general? So, a couple different reasons we see. One is you get to learn about what you're helping to produce, what you're you're helping to produce. As I said, most of the farm, I think it's like 98% of the farmers, even the really big industrial ones are family farmers in the U.S. So uh, those, mm-hmm. those are families, they may be multi-generational farm families, but they have a story and they are helping to grow our food and you get to be a part of that food system when you invest in a single farm. 
The second reason is you know exactly what you're investing in. So it's not like, you know, if you're investing in, in a cattle operation and he's a cattle rancher and they're growing grass fed cattle, well, that's what you, you know, what you're, you're getting into, you know, you're not like doing grass fed cattle that are fed on hemp. Although you right. can do that. We, we've got separate hemp projects if you want to invest in hemp, but um, right. it, it just helps to, helps you to understand. It makes it a little bit less complex in my eyes rather than investing in a sort of a blind pool where they could be in putting your money to work in various assets. Do you um, get a say as a shareholder? No, our deals are all passive. So, I mean, you may have some great really? ideas. You get uh, uh, one one advantage is you can go visit the farm if you want. That's kind of a, a stipulation we we talk to all of our sponsors with is like, hey, if an investor wants to come visit their farm, your farm, no matter how small the investment was, you know, we we want you to present that opportunity. So we've had that happen happen a couple of times, and we generally go and visit the, the farms ourselves. Besides the, uh, you know, a lot of those things sound feel good you know, feel good, uh, advantages as to agriculture, but is there any financial benefits to investing in agriculture for the, for the, for the investor? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're not there. You can go on to like, you know, GoFundMe. Somebody's got a backyard tomato patch and they want to sell at the farmer's market, you know, or, <laughs> or even Kickstarter there, there's projects like that out there. They're agriculture related. We generally kind of view the, yeah, but you, but you give money, you give money to them. You don't get Yeah, that. I mean, we kind of, or you get you a basket get a of tomatoes every, every three months right. or something like that. You know, right. we, we kind of see those as hobby farms, which is okay. Um, you know, that's one way to get smart on food or whatever and connect to the food system. But ours are, you know, really private placement opportunities and we structure them very similar to commercial real estate deals where either debt or equity you're you're investing you own a piece of the company you're receiving returns there's generally a defined exit plan exit strategy going in where you're either going to have a, a refinance activity or they're going to sell the company some sort of liquidity event you're going to get some multiple of your initial investment out um, or in the case if it's a if it's a debt like we've done secured cattle notes so you're basically using the, the cows as collateral and receiving sort of a bond, like a like an eight percent annual payment paid hmm. quarterly, hmm. Um, and that's uh, you know six months, two years, three year note, and it's just like you, you're getting a regular yield. So yeah, it's I mean eight percent versus what is the CD paying these days like two point nothing? Yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. So well, go ahead. You you had a question? Yeah. So I, I I'm kind of like thinking about it very similar. I mean, you're drawing the relationship to REITs and how it's structured. And I'm thinking, you know, similarly to investing in a REIT that is actual properties. My wife and I, we invest in um, single family homes, you know, as part of what we invest in. And at the end of the day, like you certainly take on more risk, but there's more return with that as well. Um, would you say that uh, investing in specific deals is similar with, um, agriculture yeah um you know i started my investing career with with single family homes and i've done you know dabbled in small commercial buildings and small apartments and things like that and then about five years ago i became really excited about diversifying into agriculture and yeah the, the size of the farms i'd say they're like small generally our, our investments are range in size from like five hundred thousand to a couple of million dollar projects, but in some cases we're part of a larger capital stack where there's debt and equity. So we did one hydroponics deal where it was a, we raised a half million dollars from our investors, but it was a $16 million big hydroponic farm in Kentucky. And so there was other private investors and there was some bank, bank financing involved. So it, I'd say it's closer maybe to a multifamily, passive multifamily investment. 
what, one of the things that I found really fascinating when we were doing the research about this, or, or really one of the things that I found fascinating about owning single family homes is just the massive amount of tax advantages that are really just written into the law. And so we earn all this money. We really don't pay taxes on it based on the tax code. And I know that a similar situation, if not more so, exists for agriculture. Uh, could you kind of like explain how that works or, or expectations like around tax that? advantages and tax? Yeah, I mean, for yeah, you guys yeah, know yeah. this. Anybody that's invested in real estate or, or paid taxes and paid any attention to it, it's like the taxation system in the U.S. isn't really designed to raise money. It's designed to incentivize behavior. So that's why there's all these tax breaks around real estate. Mm. It's because the government wants people to invest in real estate and develop, you know, smaller community or communities, redevelop communities. Same thing with agriculture. It's an important mm-hmm. industry in the country. So there's lots of uh, subsidies and there's lots of tax advantages. So there's generally, you know, rural agricultural credits. Um, there's depreciation. You know, you take a piece of land and you put a barn on it or you put a grain silo or you put a cattle processing facility where you're going to get all the same sorts of depreciation um, benefits and accelerated appreciation that you might get with a real estate investment. And then there's these opportunity zones, which you guys have probably heard about, or some of your listeners have heard about. And we're actually doing an opportunity zone fund because it turns out that there's 8,700 opportunity zones and about 40% of them across the U.S. are in rural areas. So they're perfect for farming. So uh, with an opportunity zone, you basically defer paying any kind of capital gains taxes. You sell a stock, you sell a, a single family home and you make a hundred thousand dollar profit on it and you roll it into an opportunity zone fund and you don't have to pay any taxes on that, that, um, that capital gain. And then after seven years, it reduces your basis by 15%. And then if you hold it for 10 years, these are the weird opportunity zone rules. You pay zero capital gains on the appreciation of that initial investment. So there's a lot of tax benefits for agriculture, just like there is in real estate. So if you were a long-term focused investor and you were investing in real estate and investing in these opportunity zones, there is a potential for you to earn a return and literally actually pay no taxes on it. Yeah. I mean, that's the opportunity zone whole benefit of why this, they pass that legislation to bring money into these sort of disadvantaged areas. Some of them urban, some of them rural and people are doing opportunity zones, you name it. Um, there's some pretty actually nice areas that are opportunity zones or there it's, it's weird the way they were defined. A lot of it was politics, but like, like if you look at some of this, you know, like Raleigh, Durham, the, the research trial, some, some really nice areas or opportunity zones. You're like, wait, I suppose this, I thought this was supposed to be for disadvantaged areas, but yeah, right. it's, it's all based on some ratios and some politics and that kind of thing. Uh, this sounds similar to investing in real estate. Is it? Because it's, you're literally investing in a farm, but instead of a house that just sits there and has tenants, uh, it produces something. Yeah, very much so. I mean, whether you're talking about just growing corn, you've got land. You know, yeah. The underlying asset is, is always land. Or whether you're growing livestock, you still got land underneath that. Or whether you put up a vertical farm in an, in, you know, in an urban area, hydroponic operation. We talked to a guy the other day who was taking abandoned Kmart's and turning them into vertical farms. Wow. So that's pretty cool. Wow. We, we like that kind of stuff because it's like reusing real estate and making it better and producing. Is this the hydroponic yeah. produce Kentucky deal? That, no, that, that one's actually just kind of out in a, in a rural area where they put up a big 
greenhouse or a number of greenhouses, but um, people are doing this in urban areas as well, these vertical farms. And the nice thing about that, there's this whole sort of farm to table movement <laughs> that people have heard of. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One is that people want fresh food and people want to support the local economy, it's just like drinking local beer, right? You feel good about yourself because you're like yep. up in a brewery down the street instead of one, you know, mm-hmm. one in St. Louis or whatever. Um, so people want to grow their food and support local farmers, but it's also, you know, there's health benefits because it's more nutritious because it's fresher produce and there's an environmental benefit because you're doesn't take as much, um, you know, energy to get the food transported from where it's produced right. to where it's consumed. Um, so you mentioned the farm to table thing, obviously, uh, I, I live in Boulder. It's a very big thing here. It's if not like it's every restaurant is basically farm to table, um, which sounds great. And it's, I, I do personally love it. I'm, I'm curious though, like, does the and I maybe I'm completely off on this question, but does the tariffs have an effect on any of this or what's happening right now? Or are these farms not the same size? Like we're talking about super small farms versus like large farms that produce these big commodities. Yeah, great question. Um there are a lot of stuff in the news about the tariffs in China and mm-hmm. they sort of and farmers are yeah, pissed. Well, yeah, and they're and they're losing money because they're seventy one percent of them haven't changed who they're going to vote for. So I just read that. Um, I've heard that too. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a complicated issue, like every every other issue. You know, the media narrative sort of oversimplifies it. A um, couple sure. things to know. One is that some of these farmers, regardless of what the news are saying or the farmers themselves were saying, were hurting way before their tariffs out. Like dairy farmers, people just don't drink as much milk as they do used to. Yeah, you know, they drink mm. almond milk, not dairy milk. So dairy farmers have been hurting for a long time. Yeah. The tariffs are just kind of like, you know, a little bit pushing the knife in a little further. Yeah. Some, it, it really depends on what the crop is. Um, some crops okay. like soybeans are being, that market can get shifted um, out of Brazil. You know, China's buying all their soybeans out of Brazil, sort of. Now, yeah. But right. those guys can switch and grow something else. A lot of those guys are switching to grow peas because what are peas used for? There's fake meat that I, I call it fake meat, but it, like plant based. Oh, oh yeah, the beyond yeah, stuff. Yeah, impossible the meat and, and, from the and beyond meat. And, you know that a lot of that's yeah. based on peas, and you know that's a growing market. So if you're a farmer, you're going to try to grow the depending on what your soil and climate supports. You're going to try to grow the product that will make you the most money. And right. so like a lot of farmers are shifting to hemp. A lot of row crop farmers are shifting to hemp. So why oh, is that? Because it's, it's legal now. Because it's legal now, and pe- people are going crazy over CBD oil. You know, they're giving it to sure. their dogs. They're taking it. It's a miracle right. cure, which is great. I, I heard mean, we, the we just yields did it. on that is like somewhere north of ten times the yield of other crops. Like- yeah, and and we did, you know, we just did a a hemp CBD raisin. We're probably going to do some more because it was very popular. So people mm. like the hemp. So wow. if you wanted to invest in CBD, like one, you could invest in a dispensary, <clears throat> you could invest in a company that distributes, or you could literally invest in the source, um, like growing them. Yeah, yeah, growing and processing, you know, taking, growing a raw organic hemp and converting it into the CBD oil. So it's like, you know, you take this stuff that's really bulky and goes for, I don't know, I think it's like $50 a, a, a ton. Gosh, don't quote me on that. And then you take it in the CBD oil, mm-hmm. which sells for like $30 for a one ounce bottle. You know, it, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good uh, trade off supply chain. Yeah. I mean, so we have the the tariffs that are obviously a threat. There are shifting farms are shifting into different products depending on where the market's going. Obviously, you just mentioned peas, uh, and then dairy farmers versus almonds. 
Um, sounds like there's a lot of shifting going on. I know you just mentioned a, a few things. How risky is it to invest in agriculture today, right now? Yeah, I mean, are there? It, it, it's like anything else. There's different companies, different sectors, subsectors with different risk return profiles. So you talked about single family homes, Andrew. You know, are you talking about a single family yeah. home in the Midwest in a in a smaller, you know, a, a suburb of, of Nashville? Or are you talking about a single family home in San Francisco? In San Francisco. Right, right. Yeah. You know, depends on, you know, that one in San Francisco, where you get in the market si- cycle, you could make a whole lot of money or you could lose a whole lot of money. Right. That single family home in in uh, you know, Nashville slower appreciation but a rapidly growing city so same thing with ag meaning uh, location yeah location based okay. uh huh. production way based which commodity uh-huh. are you you growing you base in yep. a row you know a row crop operation which is like row crops are like cotton soy corn, corn. anything that grows in rows you you know you drive out in the country you're like yeah. oh, that's a farm you know that's yep. what most people identify as agriculture you might make a three to four percent yield on that plus the long-term appreciation of land, which might add up to like a 10% internal rate of return over a long period of time, say uh-huh. say a decade, versus a hemp processing facility where you might make a, a five times multiple. It's more like investing in a startup um, right. because that market is just explosive right now. So new, right? Just like peas are going to be so new. I mean, no one's eating fucking peas, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if you think about like hamburgers, the miracle foods like acai berries and quinoa yeah. and all this stuff that people hadn't even heard of like a decade ago, it's like now all of a sudden everybody's eating it. There's always something like that. And, and right now, CBD oils and, and hemp is where that momentum is. You know what you got to do? You got to tap into Dr. Oz and you got to be like, look, you got to make watermelons a superfood because I got this farm that I'm <laughs> investing in and we are growing the shit out of watermelons as no one's eating them. <laughs> that's how you do it you get you get you get the uh the doctors to be like oh yeah guess what uh new new crop that's uh hot on the market and 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 everyone's losing weight and and curing heart disease and cancer it's called uh blueberries and uh we got a ton of them over here in new jersey so let's uh let's invest in that farm yeah i mean that's you say it. that but but the reality <laughs> and, and there are those uh, you know superfoods that people are like oh shit i got lucky by I, I just happen right. to be the acai berry grower, and nobody else is growing it. Now I'm now I'm rich. Or I just I happen to invest in a pea farm and look at right. That's so so fine. that's why we like we really like indoor agriculture because it can be adapted regardless. You know, even if it's like in a oh. cold climate, oh, like we can grow it all. You can grow all wheat all year long. You know, and, I mean, yeah, I mean, all the weed farms here in Colorado are indoors. There's just more control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or hydroponic. Yeah, hydroponics, and you you control the the you know, the temperature in the winter, you're, you're controlling the water consumption. You have to use fewer herbicides Mm. and pesticides. So it's people Mm. like that. Mm. And yeah, you can grow wherever closer to the consumer. So, um, as far as agriculture, you mentioned like these small farms, uh, you mentioned livestock, you can invest in a farm that does like cows. Yeah. I mean, it would be called a ranch generally but (laughs) thank you you. i don't have the terminology no i mean (laughs) yeah we we have talked to a lot of we've talked to sheep farmers we talked to pig farmers we've talked to about orchards like apple orchards uh we've talked to some apple guys we man we've talked to like snail farmer you name it we talked to algae farmer you name it we probably talked to those farmers like Uh, escargot yeah we talked to probably 
500 different farmers over the past, you know, three years since, since we started. Uh-huh. Now that said, a much smaller number have actually made it onto the platform. Like we haven't done a, a snail deal yet. Maybe someday we will, but well, you know, it's slow. It, yeah, it's, it. it's slow. You know, we're looking at, <laughs> Oh, your dad jokes are on point, Matt. It's very slow. It's, it's sluggish. You could yes, say. Yes. So, uh, as far as like, um, how this is in, this investment goes, um, you're investing in you're like these are not small investments you're talking about right you're not talking about oh you can start today with five dollars it's you you got to put up some cash yeah small is a relative term right so <laughs> sure yeah um, yeah our, our minimum has has been five thousand dollars you know it ranges between five thousand and twenty five thousand dollars which again relative depends on the deal if you're yeah. just you're starting out and in investing that's a lot of money i remember uh, if you've been yeah. investing for a while or you get a, a nice portfolio, that's like a drop in a bucket. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, hey, do you have any more questions, Andrew, or, or do you want to move into the next section? What do you think? I, I mean, I have a ton, but let's do the break. Want to do the break? Uh, All right. Listen, yeah. uh, after the break, we're going to talk about diversifying your portfolio with agriculture and how to use harvest returns to do just that. So stick around. We'll be right back. Okay. We're back. Magic of editing. Wow, that was so fast, man! I couldn't even sip my beer. Wow, you want me to, want me to take a little bit longer? <laughs> and I feel like I should be pitching the no ad version of the show that we don't have. Oh, yet that we don't have mm. yet. Teaser alert. Okay, so um, as you know, so you you mentioned that you invested in single family homes, real estate. You've you've had a career in investing, and then you wanted to shift your focus uh, to diversify into agriculture. One, why? And two, how much did you shift? Like, what's the percentage of your overall investing portfolio did you shift over in agriculture? Okay. Um, second part first. Okay. Because I funded a lot of this company myself, and, you know, if you understand startups and all the costs involved with that and salaries, mm-hmm. it's a lot of money. Um, so I'd say yeah. roughly 200% of your wealth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. I'll, I'll go with that answer. We'll stick with that, Andrew. Okay. Um, the, the first part is why. So, um, you know, I grew up kind of in the suburbs, like a lot of kids my age. I ate a lot of frozen dinners. Mm-hmm. I really didn't give a crap where mm-hmm. my food came from. Yeah. Well, Swanson. Swanson's Salisbury steak. Yes, I've ate many of those. Yep. Um, had had no idea how it was produced, where it was produced, and who was producing it. Okay. So then I grew up a little bit. I traveled a lot. Um, you know, I was in the Navy, traveled all over the world. Everywhere I went, I saw that people in most places compared to us, they really knew about farming because they had to. Yeah. Because, mm. you know, a lot of them, they were growing their own food in their backyards or their little villages or whatever. And if they didn't grow it, they didn't eat. So, yeah, right. Um, that really made an impression on me. And, yeah, the financial crisis hit and I was in real estate and all that. I didn't, I didn't, fortunately I didn't lose a lot like a lot of people did, but I'm like, Hey, I need to diversify a little bit. So I started looking mm. on how can I invest in farming? Um, because I had this sort of newfound appreciation for it and I'm like, this is hard. Um, <laughs> there's not a ways to do it. There's these REITs out there, oh, right. which I have invested in, but there's, um, I don't have $2 million to go out and buy a, a, a soy farm because, you know, Acreage is like five thousand to twenty thousand dollars an acre, depending on what you're growing. You know, it's it's expensive, and and obviously there's some mm-hmm. economies of scale with a farm. So I didn't have that kind of money, you know, free capital laying around. And I really didn't know what I was doing because I'm not a farming guy. Sure. So 
I found a buddy who did have some farming background and uh, did have, uh, you know, took sort of my business background, real estate background and tech background. And we decided to start this company to let people invest in a lot easier way than they could before. So um, before we took the break, uh, we were talking about like snail farms and you said like no snail farms have yet made it onto Harvest Invest. And what, I guess my question is like, why or what is the criteria or like, what are the filters so that you would put it up for someone on Harvest Returns to invest in? Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the really simplified answer to that is we're looking for two things. We're looking for farming savvy or agronomy savvy. You know, they, they know what they're doing. They know how to grow. Agronomy? Newbies. Agronomy. It's like how to Dude, grow I love stuff. that word. I love that word. It's a good word. Um do they know how to grow things and have they been growing things? Do they come from a farming farming family? Do they have an agriculture education? Do they have somebody on their team who knows how to grow stuff? And yeah. then more, most just as important, if not more from an investment standpoint is from a, do they know what they're doing on the business side? Do they have a, mm -hmm. a solid plan in place, a strategy? Do they know how to uh, have agreements, what we call offtake agreements, like contracts in place to sell their their things are they selling to a farmer's market or are they selling to Walmart or you know Tyson mm. Foods or massive um, contractors? Because obviously, just the, the quality of um, that customer is just as important as the quality of the the people selling it. And easier to have two customers than a hundred every week at a farmer's market. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and even if your customer is like Walmart, you've got to be careful because they're probably squeezing you, your margins out of profitability and they don't care because they'll just go find the next farmer down the road if uh, they squeeze you out of business. So, so it's important to have kind of that balance. What are the, what are the, uh, I know we mentioned a few of them, but what are the hot markets right now in agriculture? Like, I mean, you mentioned peas, you mentioned um, almonds. Hemp. Is there anything else? Yeah. Hemp for sure is. Oh yeah, right. Having right. a lot of traffic. Um, when you say hemp, do you mean weed? It's not, not the same, same thing. thing. So sort okay. of, but not really. It's like a wolf and a German shepherd, right? They're, they're kind of the same thing, but not really. So hemp, they're both cannabis based and, you know, CBD oil is cannabid oil. Basically the, the same chemicals are the same. There is THC in hemp and THC is what makes you high in pot. Mm-hmm. But there's regulations now that you have to have less than 0.3% of hemp for it to be legal. So the farmers are actually checked by their state regulatory agencies. And like if, if a dude is growing hemp and somebody down the road is growing weed and you know the wind blows and the seeds and the pollination wow. carries, yeah, you could accidentally turn your hemp into oh, wow. sort of into pot. But it's, you know, it's the way it's taken care of. It's really the, the quality of the seed that makes it hemp. And then when you take that regardless of the THC level, when you take that, that hemp and you distill it into CBD oil, there's pretty much zero THC in there anyway. So it's a highly regulated. Oh, so, so CBD comes from hemp, not a weed plant. Yes, but it is cannabis based. Based. Yeah. Right. Well, so is hops. So, hops are too. And I grow hops. I need some help. So if you could send somebody over on your team to help me with my hops, cause they're, they're drying out. Yeah, I don't we, know we've been, we've talked to a couple of hops guys. We'd love to do a hops deal. We'd love to do like a beer based deal, but we haven't quite done that yet. If, Here's the deal. If you can get a hop farm, I'm I'm investing. All right. I'm in. <laughs> Even though I know beer is going down, it's not a good market to be in right now. I that's what Yeah, I've people heard. are growing hops Millennials indoors, are not drinking so, beer. Um, you know, hot market is is indoor agriculture like I said is because it's can be controlled, yeah. you can do it anywhere, you can do it local. 
Isn't there more cost associated with that though? Because it's indoors. Yeah, I mean they're capital intensive, and that's that's our opportunity right there. Right. right? So all these new sort of technologies to respond to changing consumer preferences requires a lot of capital. And the the agriculture finance system that has not changed in like fifty years. So the farmers we talk to are getting the same kind of loans that their fathers and grandfathers got. And it, it's it's kind of sad because they come to us because we can't get a loan. Why can't you get a loan? It's not because they suck. It's because the the banks just don't know how to work with something like hemp or because they're afraid of it or indoor agriculture. So that's kind of where a young startup like mm. we come in and provide flexible financing. So you help essentially convert, in some cases, farms to more technologically advanced farms just with the investor's capital. Yeah, I mean, we can either help people start new farms or help them expand their existing operation, which is in most cases, that's, that's what it is. It's to expand. Yes. So, uh, are these indoor farms sustainable? Yeah. Um, they are, like are they better than outdoor farms? Uh, well, that's, that's hard to say. I mean, cause okay. there's, there's a lot of debate inside agriculture and like the people that are like the sustainability Nazis, I, I'll probably get in trouble for saying that, but <laughs> you know, people are really people, People get into this and, you know, indoor uh-huh. ag, it uses sure. less water than field, you know, based agriculture. Like I said, it uses fewer chem- fewer chemicals, but there are benefits to growing food out on the soil. I mean, it's it's natural and, you know, your regenerate, regenerative soil is a big deal. Sure. So people are doing like no-till soil where they're not tilling the soil. They're planting what's called cover crops and all these sorts of techniques, which sound really high tech, but they're really like the way the rest of the world grows food. Basic. Um, yeah. We're just kind of rediscovering it here in the U.S. Hmm. Interesting. What about, um, you said the U.S. Is that all we're, we're investing in? Or is there like, uh, can you invest in the Brazil, you know, Brazil nuts or, or peas or whatever they're growing down there? <laughs> Brazil nuts? Those could be grown in the U.S. They, yeah, but <laughs> I'm assuming they're grown in Brazil. Um, yeah, they, I, I suppose they could. Uh, you know, we actually have done a couple of overseas deals and, and talk about, cool. you know, access trouble accessing capital the farmers here in the u.s have it much better than say a farmer in west africa um so we have done some smaller sort of experimental projects like coffee what's that like coffee yeah coffee because i know that's not a real u.s thing besides like hawaii is the only place sort of you know that they might grow coffee here u.s ish um right uh cocoa we've done cocoa before we we did a deal in west africa for cocoa um that's cool. So yeah, we we want to talk to overseas farmers, but for for the most part, our focus right now is on U.S. farmers. Hmm. So I was looking inside Harvest Returns, creating an account, all that stuff, and I'm kind of like looking at the grass fed cattle, Georgia. It's like eight percent SMA return, and then you have like the coca farm in Ghana, and it's a twenty eight percent return. And obviously, because it's hard to get capital over there, but why would you take that deal in Ghana, being that it's obviously not in the U.S.? Is it run by people that have a track record in the U.S.? Like, how did that deal get into the? Yeah, platform? I mean, why people invest? That's that's a hard one. We always try to understand who our sort of typical investor is, and and it varies. And we've done surveys, and it's it's hard to pin mm-hmm. down because people invest for different reasons. Some reasons financial, some emotional. So, like, I like chocolate. Do you like chocolate, Andrew? Yeah. You do you want to invest in a cocoa farm? Because I can find you another one. Um, you know, people are passionate about different things, and, and that farmer actually in West Africa. It, it it's a we for the overseas deals. We like to have a U.S. connection because it's mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to get, especially places like Ghana. I've been to West Africa 
a number of times before and it's, it's hard to get there. So um, that particular deal, there was a, a company that has US-based offices and London-based offices and Ghana-based offices. And they started out doing solar farms, solar development projects in Ghana. So they had huh. that experience, they had the connections on the ground. And um, cocoa happens to be a big product in Ghana and West Africa. And there's some stigma attached to it because they use child labor in some of the neighboring, neighboring countries. And so they're like, we can do it better. We can do it bigger and we will not be using child slave labor. So, um, it's a good, that, thing. yeah, that's, you know, people get passionate about that. <laughs> yeah, so that's course. why we were able to do that deal. Yeah. Um, so how, like <laughs> y- you mentioned, um, the exit strategy, are all of these deals have an ex- exit strategy or are they all like, can any, can any of them be long-term like very long-term? Yeah. I mean, some of them are like our, like our opportunity zone fund is 10 years because the regulation says you get the maximum tax benefits at 10 years. But mm-hmm. we, we try to structure these kind of like real estate deals. So there's some other, you know, there's some real estate investment platforms out there that will allow you to invest in single family, multifamily, whatever that's, you know, yeah. typically have like, Hey, this is a two to five year exit based on refinancing, improving the property and refinancing it and getting your return of investment back. We do the exact same thing um, where we try to do sort of a defined exit strategy, one or two options based on either sort of a refinance of the the asset or a sale of the asset, or there's just enough cash flow that we'll be able to pay the investors back with sort of a predicted return. So it varies over mm-hmm. a predicted period. Like any sort of investment, you know, you don't always hit your target. Sometimes you go better, sometimes you go worse. There's external factors like market conditions. In the case of agriculture, you've got disease, pests, storms, commodities. So you've got to understand the risk. Sure. And you've got to understand the mitigation factors in place. And you've got to understand the track record of the farmer. So does he or she know what they're doing? And you guys are doing a lot of that work. Yeah, we do a lot of due diligence, okay. um, but we basically, I mean, we're not fiduciary, so it's up to the investor to decide whether or not they're going to press the button and invest. Well, can you walk me through a scenario where I'm a guy, I'm at, I got 10 grand, I want to invest in something I'm passionate about uh, when it comes to agriculture. What's my, what's the process I'm going to go through? Like, Hey, I got this extra 10 grand. I really want to like push this. I want to diversify my investments. I want to try to make some money, um, using harvest returns. What, what's, what, what do you, what's a good workflow for me? Okay. So you know, first start is come to our website and start digging through our educational material in our education, you know, primarily mm. blogs, although, you know, I do a lot of podcasts like this and other talk on some ag podcasts and, and things like that. So, so there are ag podcasts. Oh yeah, there's financial podcast. Man, there's podcasts on everything. You guys should know. That's true. I mean, there's but, some crazy so podcasts. Ag is the word, right? Agriculture, ag- yeah. Ag- farms, ag- farms, and agriculture. Yeah. So yeah, um, cool. dig through our educational material. Uh, if let's say cattle, let's say you like steaks. Let's say I, yeah, you're big into grass-fed steaks. I am. Let's so do it. we have a blog on grass-fed beef. Why you might want to invest in grass-fed beef? What are the market dynamics of grass-fed versus grain-fed, grass-finished, all, all those sorts of? Yeah, you know, learn a little bit about the product, just like anything else. You should probably learn about it a little bit before you invest. Register, you invest in what you know. Yeah, exactly. Register on the platform. Um, you know, just takes a simple email, more or less. Register, then you can access the deals. You look at the offerings. You read through the product placement material, which is like you know, a hundred pages of, of it 
99 pages are because our lawyers told us we had to put it there and the one page is what most people really care about. Uh, and then you can invest automatically. Like a lot of the sort of real estate investment platforms, you can sign your documents, you can choose to ACH or wire your money, and then you can get, uh, once the deal closes, so you put your $10,000 in, you're going to get your returns um, notified when you get a return, you're going to get notified when you get your tax documents, and you're going to get an update from the farm like, hey, here's our new cows that we just bought. Uh, and you'll see all that. And that's kind of the soups to nuts, soup to nuts investing experience all on the harvest. Return when the platform. returns come in, where do they go? Uh, it depends on how you want them. They can ACH into the account. They can mail you a check. We can wire it. You know, can they go stuff. back we in? We do pretty much everything except Bitcoin. I'd like to do Bitcoin, <laughs> but we don't do it. Can yet. they go back into the investment? You know, we, we've actually been talking to a, a provider that might allow us to do something like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, basically whenever you get your, we love you to reinvest. Um, sure. That's kind of, we, we like, we've got a number of second and third time investors and we like to see that. So I could essentially like, you don't, you don't have any hot farms, right? Not yet. No, not yet. Um, so I'm just thinking in my own, in my own terms, like I would, I would seriously love to invest in a hop farm just because I love hops. If I can go tour the hop farm because I'm an investor, that would be super fun. Uh, go up to Yakima Valley, wherever it is. And so if I want to invest $10,000 in a hop farm, I can invest this $10,000 one shot. I just, you know, from my bank account through harvest returns, just if that money funnels right to this hop farm. And then I start just getting money, like returns. If obviously if everything goes well, I start getting returns. There's an exit strategy within like two to five yeah, years, yeah. right? Something like that. And, and then it's then it's done. And then it's whatever I got, I got. And then I get my yeah. You get your ten thousand dollars back it. and whatever Sounds, sort of returns so, on top of that um, yep. you made. And yeah, I, I mean, the, so we hear from some guys like you, like, hey, I really want to invest in hop. Send us an email. Depending on how much you want to invest and how many emails like yours we get, we may be able to take a take a deal that's sitting in our deal flow and put it on, you know, snails. I'll, I'll, I'll you know, yeah. if you got $20,000 yeah. investing in snails, I'll, <laughs> I'll find somebody that it's a farmer that way. Do you do any like other, you said snails, but do you do any other like fish farming or um, sea farming? Is that part of yeah, agriculture? Yeah, we consider aquaculture yeah, is, okay. is the, the term and we consider that part of agriculture. Yeah. And we have done, we had a, an aquaculture day up in a while we did, for various reasons. We didn't get it fully funded, but we like that space. I mean, as a mm-hmm. guy who loves the oceans, I'm really passionate about moving some of that production of fish onshore um, and doing it sustainably versus sure. keep yeah, fish in the, the ocean. oceans. Right. Mm. Um, when you say you didn't get the deal fully funded, does that mean there's a possibility that I could invest in a farm and it doesn't get fully funded and I would just get my money back because the, the whatever wasn't reached? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like a lot of private okay. placements. You put your money in escrow and if it doesn't reach the minimum... You get your money out. Uh, you just get a refund. Got it. And then no no out-of-pocket costs. We absorb all the wire fees and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, go ahead, Andrew. Oh, I was just going to say, like, uh, you know, say this is like the two- to five-year deal. Do you get, like, returns monthly, mm. quarterly, yearly? Yeah, it, it depends on the deal itself. The, the shortest duration we've done is quarterly, and that was for, like, those cattle notes. The uh, Generally, it's more like annually. Uh, just because a lot of the returns are based on crop cycles. And for most ty- types of agriculture, you've got an annual crop cycle. Not all. Like indoor agriculture, you can produce mm. potentially quarterly returns because you can grow stuff all year round. Cool. What are um, what are you working on next with Harvest Returns? So What's we're the next really, step? We really excited. We closed this, uh, this hemp deal. Um, 
our opportunity zone fund is is something that we're really starting to push. We just launched that, and you know it's got those tax benefits. And if you've got capital gains, instead of doing a ten thirty one exchange, you may want to consider doing a an opportunity zone investment. And there's over five hundred opportunity zones out there. Most of them are are urban real estate, kind of gentrifying multifamily neighborhoods. Um, ours is one of the very single handful that are that are focused on agriculture. So it's different and it's unique and, you know, you're, you're not, um, you know, you're not competing against a lot of other funds that are all doing sort of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a fund you guys manage. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, we've been doing these projects for, for three or four years now. And once we determined that a lot of the projects were already in opportunity zones, we just decided to launch a fund. Cool. Take advantage of that. So where can people go to learn more about agricultural investing and your business and what you do and more about you yeah, I mean, specifically easiest way is harvestreturns.com of course we're on the facebook twitter insta mm-hmm. linkedin i think that's it cool uh we're on our social media and our, our website and a lot of educational materials and videos and youtube is another really place. what are you guys yeah. doing on youtube uh, we put our webinars out there for the certain offerings, our oh, webinars, cool. and then we've got a couple of generic ones like, why do you want to invest in agriculture and stuff like that? So it sounds like you're really focusing on the educational side of this because it is such a new thing for people, for like j- people like us to invest in. Yeah. I mean, we really uh, want to get folks that understand real estate to consider mm-hmm. taking some of that money that they might've gone out and you know put into a single family home or an apartment deal and think about putting in some of it towards a farm. Cool. Um, Andrew. If you were going to invest in anything agriculturally, I'm very interested in this opportunity zone fund specifically. Can you just invest in this opportunity zone fund without doing any sort of anything else? That's what it looks like. Yeah. So, Andrew, I want you to go out and sell your entire single family portfolio (laughs) and take those gains and put it in our OZ fund. How about that? Well, the question is is it easier to sell a farm or a single family home? No, it's easier to sell, sell single family, but you know that's why we get paid the big bucks is to to manage the mm. the, acquis- the assets. Yeah, you know I'm really interested in what you said about hemp because I feel like we're really close to legalization, and they're basically the same plant. So if you have a farm that's hit scale with hemp, and they just flip a switch, and all of a sudden there's THC involved and profits are you know. Yeah, we're we're thinking along <laughs> those lines. Um, yeah. Guy I was talking to in New York yesterday. New York's probably going to be one of the next handful of states that legalizes cannabis, and he's the one that's like converting empty, abandoned Kmart buildings into indoor farms. That's really cool. And yeah, you know, that would be something like that would be perfect. Where he's already already got all the equipment, the LED lighting, the irrigation systems. Like all he's got to do is kind of flip a switch or change the seeds out, and he's when it's ready. Uh, he invested a lot, not knowing if it was going to flip. Well, or not, huh? he's. I mean, he's going to grow tomatoes and, and, you know, bell peppers and things like that. So those are make money. They may not make as many, much money as pot, but the thing is with pot is like, once it's legalized in a state, the prices all fall. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And you, how do you, how confident are you in just in that idea that it's going to be nationally legalized at some point? I don't know. I don't follow that space that much. Sure. It'll happen someday. I mean, well, it's going to be state by state, right? It's like any other, you know, I think that's the right answer. Yeah. It's like, let the states decide. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, cool. Uh, Chris, thank you for coming on. And it's harvestreturns.com. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. That's where people can find you. Yeah, appreciate it. And if you missed anything in this episode, we'll have everything in the show notes as per usual. Either check your preferred podcast app or you can visit listenmoneymatters.com slash show.
that's where you can find us. Please subscribe wherever you normally listen to podcasts. If you're listening to this in the car, pull over <laughs> and subscribe <laughs> uh, and tell your friends about us. Point them to your favorite episodes and hopefully they'll become a subscriber and we can grow the show and and get more quality guests on like Chris. So that would be and if really great. you pull over and you're late for work, just tell your boss you are rating Listen Money Matters. Yes. He or she will understand. Tell them you are learning about uh, hemp and peas and, and and how to invest in livestock. And ag. And ag. Yeah. Agro- agronomy. Was that? What is it? I, I agronomy. Agronomy. <sighs> Love that word. All right. It's so, the new alchemy. Yes. So... If you have any questions about this show, about this particular topic, or you want to ask us a question about a topic we should discuss on the future episode of this show, please email us, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. And of course, all of the tools and resources that we normally mention on this show are available at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. That's it. Later, Andrew. Later, dude. Please tell your friends about this show. (laughs) 